0: Well, I am very pleased to introduce all of you to our new series called How Great Is Our God? And every week for the next few months, we're going to be talking about an attribute of God. And today we're going to start by talking about God's creativity, if you have not guessed before. But first, let's pray. Please bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you love us and not only do you do things for us, but you go out of your way to do just extra special things, things that go beyond what is required and you just pour out immense amount of blessings to us and you also give us the gift of being creative. We ask that you would please hide me behind your wings today Let your words be the words that are spoken today, and let people see you and see all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters.
0: So the scriptures record that to begin with, the earth was formless and empty, much like a a blank slate or a lump of potter's clay or a fresh canvas. And the surface of God was, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water, hovering with anticipation, hovering like a mother bird over her nest, getting ready and being excited
1: to start on what would become our world. And then God said, let there be light. And And just as an
0: artist first turns on light to work on their project, God turns on the switch. Except God doesn't need to use his hands to make something. He doesn't even need tools or materials. When God speaks, energy becomes matter. E equals MC squared becomes a reality, and it
1: just happens. And God saw that it was good. And an evening passed, and morning passed, marking the first day.
0: And as the earth was formless, it was surrounded by a mess of liquid and gas and muck, completely unorganized. So
1: God started organizing chaos into order. So then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And all the gases that were
0: mixed with the muck, such as nitrogen and carbon dioxide and oxygen and water vapor, among many others, bubbled up and were separated
1: out from the muck and became our atmosphere. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came. Marking the second day. But the earth was covered with muck still. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear.
0: And a slishing and a sloshing could be heard, and water began to separate itself from the muck. And dribbles of water began to form into streams, and streams formed into rivers, and waters began to... "'Gather into puddles and ponds and lakes and seas and oceans.' "'And the muck, now dried out, was solid enough to walk on.'"
1: God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, "'Let the land sprout with vegetation every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit.'" And these seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And suddenly the earth
0: was colorful and a rumble emanated from the ground as flowers of every kind and color sprang up from the ground and along with them trees Colorful maples and eucalyptus trees and ferns sprang up alongside mango trees and peach trees and coconut palms. And vines grew and produced grapes and berries and melons and vegetables. And the odors of perfectly ripe fruit and perfumed flowers could be smelled all over the earth. And wherever there was no color... Bright
1: green grass sprung up. And God saw that it was good. And an evening passed and morning passed, marking the third day. And then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. And let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth.
0: And as though to show the earth... "...that it would not be outdone. The sky lit up with pinpoints of light, and then an explosion rocked the sky as a growing ball of fire grew and grew until it lit up everything that faced it on earth, warming the planet and providing fuel for the plants. And the sun also churned the air all over the earth, bringing about wind." And meanwhile, chunks of rock floated in nearby space, started clustering together and clumping to form a rocky sphere, which grew into a beautiful pale moon that we know today. And like the wind birthed by the sun, the moon brought movement to the seas and the oceans, causing them to rise and fall in both waves and tides. God formed the sun to rule the sky by day and supply the necessities of life
1: and the moon to rule the sky by night. And God saw that it was good. And an evening passed and morning passed, marking the fourth day. And then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. And
0: under the water, all sorts of creatures Began to appear out of nothing. Wobbly sea jellies, schools of colorful fish, great big whales and sharks and dolphins, coral reefs and clouds of plankton. And out of the water, you could hear something. You could hear buzzing and humming and flapping. Insects started flying past, butterflies and bees and then birds lots of colorful birds of different sizes and shapes, parrots and eagles, flamingos and robins, seagulls and owls. Earth was now full of sounds, sounds in the air and under the water. There was now life on earth that moved and breathed
1: and life that made sound. And God God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them saying, Be fruitful and multiply, let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal and each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and wild animals.
0: And as soon as God spoke those words, animals of different shapes and sizes began to burst out of the ground, at least how I imagine it. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my, couldn't resist that one. Dogs and cats, lizards and monkeys, kangaroos and elephants, ants and spiders and hippos and so many different kinds of animals now shared the earth along with the birds and the sea creatures. But the world was not quite finished. While all of this was made with love, It was a gift, and the gift was made before the receiver of the gift.
1: Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, And the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, "'Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground.'" And then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. And so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. And so he rested from all his work and God Blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was a day when he rested from all his work of creation.
0: And we thank God for his, the work of his hands. But you know what? I can't help but wonder at all this. Sometimes we take all of this for granted. We really do. Much of what God created seems paradoxical. It seems. Even wasteful or illogical sometimes, and I don't mean in a bad way, but I mean wasteful in like a abundance kind of way, like unnecessary abundance. For example, and Pastor Rush showed us a little bit of this butterfly wings. Why did he have to make them so beautiful? Like he didn't have to. There are so many different kinds and colors and patterns. They're not only functional for flying. Like, I've seen butterflies where they're just white wings. They look nice, but they have all these other ones. They're not just for flying. They're unnecessarily beautiful. They're just over the top. God did not have to make them so pretty for them to fly, but he did. The same with flowers. God's creation is functional, yet it's unnecessary. It has unnecessary beauty to it. Do flowers have to look as good as they do? Or do they
1: have to smell as wonderful as they smell? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever it's as though god
0: goes out of his way to make things beautiful not just functional but here's another thing worth noting about creation is that creation is simple yet very complex Most of you probably know that all life is made out of cells. There we go. And as a former biology teacher, we don't have time for me to tell you all the detail that is involved in cells. But consider this. Every system in our body is made of organs that are specialized to function for that specific system. And it ha- they ha- all have specific tasks to do. And in turn, every organ is made up of specialized tissue. And every tissue is made of specialized cells. These are, this is showing how cells divide. But consider this. Every system in our bo- uh, Every system has all these little things worked out. And guess what? Every cell is also composed of specialized organs. We call them organelles because they're little. Each with their own function to keep the cell doing what it's supposed to do. This right here is uh, a very recent and amazing picture. It's actually done by an electron microscope. Now, they don't usually have color on electron microscopes, but what they've done is they've added added color to differentiate the different organelles that are in a cell. Isn't it beautiful? And all these things help the cell to not just survive, but carry out what it's function to do. You probably already know that we cannot see individual cells with our own eyes without microscopes. You need even more powerful microscopes to look at what's on the inside of cells, electron microscopes. For example, just to get an idea of how big a cell is, if you take one of your hairs, and I know that some people may have a harder time finding a hair than others. Um, one of your hairs, the thickness of one of your hairs, the diameter of one of your hairs it's not very, it's, you could barely see it. 20 red blood cells can fit across it. Just the width of one hair. And there are around 200 different types of cells that help our bodies to function, each having their own special function. And all the cells in your body in an adult is approximately 100 trillion cells. That's in your body. That's a number that's followed by 14 digits, by the way, to get an idea how big that number is. And out of that 100 trillion, 100 billion of them, so one-tenth of them, die every day and are replaced every day. That's what your body is constantly fixing itself and repairing itself and improving itself. And here's the thing if one of these types of cells, one of the 200 cells, let's say that every, every cell that's needed to produce insulin, for example, if it doesn't work, the body doesn't function right. Today we have ways of helping people who have struggles with insulin, but there's, a, there's 200 different kinds of cells. If one of them doesn't work, we don't work properly. Some of them don't work, we die. Just one type. And if any parts of these cells are not functioning, that cell dies. It doesn't work. It's just far too complicated for me to think that it just happened. It's as if somebody's actually made sure everything was there because if one part was missing, it would not work. Creation is functional yet unnecessary but creation is simple yet complex now we could also speak about matter itself what's the matter well everything if you want an honest answer from a science teacher get it matter everything is matter never mind Um, everything's made up of molecules which are various kinds of atoms that are connected together so everything is made up of atoms. This doesn't look like much, but this is actually a picture taken from an even more powerful microscope called an electronic electron tunneling microscope. And that's actual cells that they've, that you can, sorry not cells, that's actual atoms that you can see. So if you think, oh it's not very good quality, Let me explain why it's not good quality. Atoms are incredibly small. They make cells look massive. I mentioned before that 20 red blood cells fit across the width of a human hair. They estimate that one of those red blood cells is made up of 100 trillion atoms. That's how small they are. It's, a, it's hard for us to comprehend how small they are and how many there are of them. That's why it's so blurry. I don't even know how they can manage to take a photo of something that small. And then the amount of energy within a few atoms is enough energy to power a city or destroy one. These atoms are made up of even smaller substances, protons, neutrons, and electrons. And guess what? They now know that those substances are made up of even smaller ones as well, called quarks. So far, they don't think there's anything smaller than that. If creation is this amazing, if it's so complicated, and if just any of the complexity just falls apart, it can have such an effect if this is all so amazing, how much more amazing is the God who created it?
1: He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers... All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist.
0: All things consist. So God's creation is functional yet unnecessary. It's simple yet complex. And I briefly mentioned atomic energy. Atomic energy can be so uncontrollable... And yet, atoms and everything else can be so precise as well. We've gone small. Let's go big now. I think you recognize this place. There's Australia, and there's at least part of the earth. It doesn't fit on the whole screen. The earth has a radius of 6,371 kilometers. That basically means if it was possible for you to drill a shaft from here all the way down to the exact center of the earth, which, by the way, you can't because the center of the earth is 6,000 degrees Celsius. But let's say you could. If you could drill a shaft that deep and if you drop something down that shaft, it is so far that it would take just over 42 minutes of free-falling before the object would hit the gooey center if it was possible for us to walk out that door heading northward and not veering to the left or right at all and just keep going straight until you come back to the exact same place, you would have walked over 40,000 kilometers. Earth's pretty big, sort of. Earth's actually only the fifth biggest planet In the universe, I mean in the solar system. Jupiter's the biggest in our solar system. If Jupiter was a hollow sphere, you could fit 1,300 Earths inside it. If Earth actually hit Jupiter, it would just crumble into a pile of rubble, by the way, because of gravity. And if we talk about our sun which the earth rotates around, well, you could fit 1,000 Jupiters inside the sun. That works out to 1.3 million earths. And going back to gravity, which, by the way, is what holds us to the ground, the more an object weighs, the more gravity it has, and so smaller objects get pulled towards it. Maybe that's why I can pull my kids towards me. I'm bigger than I used to be. And so the moon rotates around the earth because it, it has less gravity than the earth. And the earth and all the other planets rotate around the sun. And it looks good. You've seen those. I'm going to show you in a sec how you have the planets spinning around. And it looks very, pretty cool. But it's not actually completely accurate. Because here's the thing. We don't really think about it. But the sun, we're moving at a, at a fairly quick pace around the sun, but the sun is also moving through space. So on the left, you can see it's the planet spinning around the sun, but the sun is also moving at the same time. Our solar system is actually rotating just like a planet rotates around the sun. It's rotating around the center of our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, along with all the other solar systems. We can't control any of this. You, this is like it's crazy. You'd think things would be smashing into each other and, and pummeling into each other, and occasionally there is something that happens. But it's also precise. It's like a clock. It just all ticks. In fact, the earliest um, watches and clocks that we had, they were based on the sun and the movement of the sky because it's so precise. If Earth's orbit was 1.5 million kilometers closer to the sun, and that sounds like a massive amount, but in space, that's actually not very far. In space, that's between us and the moon times four. If we move that much further to the sun, life could not be sustained on Earth. It's in just the right spot for life to be sustained. Talk about climate change. So with all this, you'd think that we would crash, but we, it doesn't crash. All the mass and the movement and gravity, it's pretty much perfect, as though someone did all the calculations and put everything in place perfectly and then hit the start button and knew that it would just work.
1: He counts the numbers of stars. He calls them all by name. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, God's creativity is
0: functional yet unnecessary. It's simple yet complex. It's uncontrollable yet precise. He really covers everything, doesn't he? From quarks to galaxies to the universe, it's all so comprehensive. And yet, you wouldn't think so, but it's also so personal. You think if he did all that stuff, there, wasn't, there wouldn't be much. He, he wouldn't care much about individuals, but it's not true. It's very personal, and you wouldn't expect that. The probability that each person here is the person that they are, And that you're functioning the way you function. It's a miracle. And let me explain why. Each person here starts as the smallest cell in their father's body. Combined with the largest cell in their mom's body. And did you know that the one sperm cell that became you. Was one out of a hundred million possibilities on that particular day. It could have been... Different. Everything that you are genetically hung on to just the right sperm connecting with the egg at just the right time and just the right egg. If it was a second earlier, you would have been a completely different genetic person than what you are now. We all could have been very different people. In fact, the other thing is true is that we also could easily not even existed at all. We could not have existed because if any of this gets messed up in a way, that's it, there's, not, there's none of you. I don't have time to go into the details of the challenges and, and probabilities of you becoming who you are. But let me just say that nobody here or nobody anywhere is actually a mistake your parents may not have planned for your existence but god did he made sure everything lined up exactly so that you would become the person who you are with the choices they're up to you but the yeah, everything else it, he wanted you to be here i used to teach human development both in high school and at university And it was so absolutely stunning, the things that I would learn and the things that I would tell people about us. This is a zygote. It's a fertilized egg. Okay? And it keeps dividing and growing, and it then becomes a cluster of cells. And after a while, the cluster organizes itself, and some cells become the protective bag Around the outside, that becomes the placenta that protects the baby. And other cells in the middle become the baby. It just organizes itself. That's called the blastocyst stage. From here, it continues to grow and divide and diversify, and it becomes an embryo. And that further develops, having... A brain and a heart and other vital organs. Would you say the lungs, though, is a vital organ? Yeah. We'd all be dead if we didn't have them, right? But did you know that that's the only vital organ that's not created at the start? It's actually one of the last things that's, that's developed in a baby. Any ideas as to why? Why? Because you don't need to breathe until you come out. Isn't that intelligent? Think about it. Isn't that intelligent? Here's a fetus at four months. And then six months later, you end up with a precious baby. Here's John, my son John, exactly eight years tomorrow. So happy birthday, John. One cell to trillions of cells. I personally cannot see how all this is just random, how it's all just with no purpose at all. There's too many things that can go wrong, way too many things that can go wrong.
1: You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb thank you for making me so wonderfully complex your workmanship is marvellous how well I know it you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb you saw me before I was born every day of my life was recorded in your book every moment laid out before a single day had passed.
0: There's so much that we've contemplated today, so much that we've looked at, but there is one last point I'd like us to contemplate about God's creation and creativity. And this last point of contemplation is the fact that we can contemplate. We are able to think about things. We are able to solve problems. God not only created all of this that we have, and he created all of us, but he gave us the ability to recognize our existence, to recognize our surroundings, to be able to to see different angles, to be able to think about what it must be for somebody else, to think about thinking. Thinking. This morning we we have a cat and I was playing with it and stuff, and he's fun and everything, but he's got no idea about anything. Like I love dogs. They know a bit more, but they really they have no idea about anything. God gave us the ability to be aware of things and to contemplate our lives and to think about goals. And the thing is, God created us like him. He actually gave us the ability to create things. And even if you're someone in here who thinks, oh, I'm not creative, well, you actually are. If you've done anything anything where you're the only person who did it, whether that's come up with a, a certain answer to a question or whatever, you've created something. And it's amazing. We imitate our Father God. And I hope today it helps you to think about the fact of how wonderful, how beautiful the world is and what God has done for us. I hope that you have enjoyed the different creative things we've done today. As we finish, we're gonna show our thanks to our Lord of creation. Bow your head with me, please. Father in heaven, thank you so much you, you love us, but then when we think about the things that you've made for us and we think about how we were made and what we can do and how we can make things, God, you're so amazing. And, and you're not only amazing, but you make us pretty amazing. You, you make everything amazing. Uh, and you do it out of abundance. You, you do it when, when David writes, my cup runneth over Our cups overflow with the amount of blessings that you give us. Like You give us more than we need. You give us more than enough, and we thank you for that. We praise you for that, and we ask that you help us to go out from here and glorify you and see you in all the different things that we see and do every day. In Jesus' name, amen.